You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. And now I understand why she was so adamant about being present and not dwelling on the past or looking too far into the future, because like we only get this moment however many times. And then we also were like, she's like, well, why do you do gymnastics? What's your why? And I was like, I could not come up with an answer. And she's like, okay, well, that's what we need to work on. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, today's guest is just downright fun. A fantastic blend of bubbly energy as well as thoughtful, reflective, and compassionate. All those attributes are true of Isis Lowry, an Oregon State gymnast who has a really interesting backstory. I had a lot of fun writing an article on her, one of the most fun articles I wrote when I was working for the Barometer a few years back when I was a student. The quick snapshot of her story, her path to OSU, was Starting in Melbourne, Australia, where she grew up, her dad's American. He played professional basketball overseas, one of the countries he played in, Australia. And when he came, he just never left. He got married, had two kids, the older of which is Isis. She became a gymnast and then came back across the pond to America, where she competed at Oregon State and was one of the most successful OSU gymnasts in recent history, named All-American in 2019 and also an academic All-American. Her career was cut short by the coronavirus right before the time she would uh, compete for the last time ever in Gill Coliseum. Senior night was canceled along with athletic events all around the country and so Isis and her teammates never got to finish out the regular season or Pac-12s or NC2As or any of that. So her career was just done suddenly and that was pretty hard on her. So since then, Isis has graduated from Oregon State in June. She received a prestigious Pac-12 postgraduate scholarship, and now she's getting her Master's of Education through the program of College Student Services Administration. So she's still in Corvallis, engaging with her passions in life. And as for that question of what is next for her, what causes she's committed to, what she wants to accomplish in life outside of gymnastics, I'll let you listen to her answer directly about halfway through the conversation. But I will say, ahead of time, I really appreciated her thoughtfulness in that regard and and clearly how much processing she has done and is still doing now. And so I really enjoyed the conversation and I think you will too. Real quick before we hear from Isis, Lamplight Creatives is one of the fine sponsors on this podcast and they do some really great work, especially here in 2020 when less shopping in person, more shopping online. And so your business needs to be more visible online, a website that looks good, uh, a streamlined process, more content online where uh, customers can see the content you're putting out, see the products you're making, hear about what your con- your product is like. Lamplight Creatives helps with search engine optimization. They can help develop your website, uh, create content. They've got an amazing staff, very well-versed and local right here. So Lamplight Creatives does a lot of really great work. That's lamplightcreatives.com. Again, Lamplight Creatives. All right, here is, like I said, just a really fun person, former Oregon State gymnast, native Australian. Please welcome Isis Lowry. Isis, thanks so much for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. Uh, How are you doing today and feeling good with finals all out of the way? 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's such a big relief to just finally get a little bit of a break. But um, yeah, definitely a new experience that was definitely spent some time adjusting to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. I want to start with you know the hot topic of the day. Not exactly of the day. This this there was a, a post I wanted to ask you about that kind of made the rounds a while ago. Some I don't even forget what platform put this out, but they they said we're going to rank the toughest sports, like or just the hardest sports to compete in. And to my <laughs> surprise, gymnastics got number nine. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that not higher? Like, no offense to tennis, but gymnastics is harder than tennis. Uh, that That's crazy, right? Josh, don't even get me started. I think I quoted <laughs> it and I was like, I don't even remember what I said, but I was like, this is like... <laughs> insane gymnastics if you ask any gymnast in the world they're going to say gymnastics is the hardest sport I think it just combines and that's not taking away from other sports that's not disrespecting other sports because I know every sport respectively has its challenges has its like I'm not about to go out there and play football like absolutely not like that is not for me but I think what makes gymnastics so tough is that it literally requires you to exhaust like every single inch of your body you're using every single muscle you're using there's just so many things in gymnastics like and I always try to relate it in a way that like most people will like try to understand I'm like okay any majority of gymnasts can you know try basketball they can give it a crack they can they can shoot they can miss it'll be the worst thing ever but they can at least attempt it the thing with gymnastics is like you can't just get up there and try to do a double air off bars like it's impossible like it is in like and that's what I think I have this conversation with my dad all the time because he used to play professional basketball and he still like plays and stuff but that is just one thing I'm like dad like Simone Biles is the best athlete in the world like at point blank like that's the end of the conversation and we always get into it and it's just unless you've tried gymnastics I like you can't fully appreciate what it is until you've like tried it I don't know how else to explain it this could be a separate podcast on itself so I'm gonna stop now. I won't good. stop <laughs> <laughs> that's part of me just kind of wanted to reduce not to limit it to just what sport am I the most likely to get injured in but that absolutely is part <laughs> of it because if I tried yeah. I don't know, soccer, like I don't play soccer, but I probably wouldn't get hurt if I tried. If I <laughs> tried to do a balance beam routine, I would break my neck. I would, I would die. <laughs> That's what so many people say. And I think that, you know, a lot of gymnasts, and I'm, I'm not trying to speak for all gymnasts here, but majority of gymnasts like will agree that, yeah, like beam can be scary sometimes, but I think the fact that we like we're in control and that's what I like because and I didn't really know that was something that I liked about gymnastics until I really stopped. But I was like, I was in complete control of everything I was doing. Like I was the one, like if I messed up, I couldn't blame it on anyone else. It wasn't like someone blindsided me, someone tackled me out of nowhere. Someone stole the ball from me. I was like, well, if I fall off the beam, I did something wrong. And I think that I, re I really just liked being able to depend on myself. Um, obviously there are times where, you know, you got to make sure the equipment's in check and you got to make sure that your like grips are on right when you're like on the bars and stuff. But for the most part, it's like, it's you and the event, it's you and the equipment out there. Um, and you're in control. And that's why it's so important that mentally your head's in the right place and that you just in complete, like your mind, body and soul are all connected because if one thing's off, it's going to make it really, really hard to do it how you would like. 
the mental aspect is actually one thing I wanted to ask about, because it, like you said, there may be, I don't know if it's right to say there are fewer surprises in gymnastics, but there's no possibility mm-hmm. of like a team, you know, game planning and that, oh, they're going to throw the ball a lot more against us on the you know football <laughs> game than we expected. Like in gymnastics, yeah. you know what your routine is, you go and it's just about executing to the degree that you know you can. So if anything, mm-hmm. mental fortitude is even more important because it really, that's what separates the, the really good gymnast from the, the pretty good gymnast. So what did you do mentally? I want to say there was something where the baseball team was connected, some of the mental conditioning stuff they did, mm-hmm. and they came in and taught, or I, I don't know if that's ringing a bell, but what sort of mental work would you do before the meets to prepare yourself? Yeah. So that's a great question because for me the mental side of gymnastics was the it was my biggest obstacle um I struggled with like mental blocks and fears throughout the entirety of my entire career it held me back in ways that was so frustrating I almost you know just quit or retired um and it was something that I was like okay if I really want to be good at this sport if I really want to be able to like unlock my potential and make the most of, you know, what I can do. I need to figure out a way that's like that I'm going to get through this because it was crippling fear. Like I would go to the gym and just cry. Like I could not, like I would pretend to be sick sometimes. So I wouldn't have to go to gym. And it was like, this was obviously when I was a little bit younger. Um, But yeah, it was just, it was horrible. And looking back like that, I learned so many things from that time period. And even when I got to college, like there were still things that I'd be scared of here and there, but I just felt like I had so many more tools to help deal with these things. So it wasn't like I wouldn't go to the gym in college and sit there and cry if I was like scared to do something for three hours. And then, you know, like it would be like, okay, here's what I'm dealing with. How am I going to, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to get over this? Um, And 2019, that year and the preseason beforehand, we really spent a lot of time and you, you were right. We did have the, a few of the baseball boys come in and one of their coaches um, talking about mindfulness and meditation and stuff like that and visualization. And that was something for me that really changed the game for me. I realized that before a meet, I don't need to be blasting the music personally. Um, I would meditate. So I would go find a quiet space, like after I had treatment or whatever, and I would put it on and I'd just be by myself and I'd be meditating or um, doing my mindfulness training. So for me, that was something that I always thought like, oh yeah, I need to be pumped up. I need to get excited. And I do, you know, I'll be doing my makeup in the locker room. We're all listening to music and having fun. But then after that, as soon as it was like getting close to meet time, I was like, now I need to start slowing my brain down because for me, I like, if my thoughts, if my brain starts going crazy, that's it. For me to feel like I'm in control, I need to have like a slow, calm mind. And I think that's what everyone just needs to realize what their thing is. So there are a lot of girls on the team that did not like that meditation and mindfulness because they were like, this is not like, it, it, and it's hard. Like it is really hard to stop and slow down and just be present in that very moment. And it worked for a lot of girls and some girls didn't. And then they found out how they can best prepare themselves. But for me, that was a huge, huge piece and still something that I try to work on and practice outside of gymnastics as well. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. When I've talked with and I've talked with a lot of baseball players about this, I, I haven't talked with people from other sports as much, although it really relates in a lot of ways. When I've talked with the baseball players about the fear that they may have, the, the mental blocks that you kind of talked about, 
I try to ask them what exactly is going on there. Is it a sort of pessimism? Is it you're worried about the worst thing that might happen? You're you're imagining the failure rather than imagining the success. It may be different for each person. What about you? When when you have that mental block or whatever was going on, what do you think was happening in your mind before you needed to change it? What what was the problem first before you found the solution? Yeah, and that's oftentimes that's the hardest part. So for me. I didn't have a situation where, you know, a lot of girls might develop a mental block if they fall on a skill or they hurt themselves or they see someone hurt themselves or, you know, they just, they, they, they do something a bit random and it's like, oh, like that scared me. And then after that, it's like, you kind of just keep replaying it in your mind. For me, I would balk. So that's when, you know, you attempt a skill, you don't go, you pull out of it. And that's like when things get more dangerous because if you stop halfway, that's like, it's not great. Like you never want that to happen. Um, so for me, like I would balk a lot. And then like, if I balked once, I'd be like, oh, like that was weird. Okay. Like I'll just try again. And then I'd balk again. And then it was like, I just couldn't get over the hump and that fear of actually going. And, you know, everyone, my coaches, my teammates, they'd be like, well, why, like, why do you stop? And I'm like, I don't know. I did not have an answer because there wasn't a rational or logical explanation for why I wasn't going. And to me as a eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, it was absolutely rational. I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't have to tell you why I'm scared. I'm scared. Like, that's it. Um, but now looking outside of that, I'm like, there was no real. And when I say real, it's like, like I said, it was justifiable in that moment for me, because like, whenever someone says they're scared of something, I'm never going to say, oh, like, don't be scared of that. It's like, that's useless. <laughs> like that is useless. That does not help me because I am scared. It's like, I was just, I didn't know what I was scared of. I was scared of the unknown. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist. And when I was, I didn't like doing things poorly. I didn't like doing things bad. And I think a lot of the time I was scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, Cause like I said, I don't like doing things poorly. I didn't want to hurt myself, even though I'd never hurt myself on that skill before in my life. I was like, but what if, but what if like I do this? So like, what if I do that? And then it just got to the point where I wouldn't even attempt the skills. I wouldn't even start and then stop. I just wouldn't go. I'd just be standing at the end of the vault runway or I'd be standing at the beam, just like shaking, like knowing I'm not going to go. And it was like, well, this is just wasting everyone's time. So I think every, like you said, every person, there's a different reason behind fear. And there were some skills where I might've messed up and hurt myself. And then I was like, okay, this makes me feel like I'm allowed to be a little bit more scared. But the things that were most frustrating was when I was scared of skills that I didn't even know why I was scared. I just wouldn't go. Um, so yeah, so so many things went in behind that. And then as I got older, I I'm very analytical when I think, um, especially about gymnastics, because you know, like I said, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm always I'm thinking about every part of the skill. I'm thinking about what it looks like, how to do it right, not wanting to mess up, not wanting to embarrass myself if I do mess up. Um, so then I would just overthink to the point where. I just couldn't even function because my brain was just in overdrive. So that's where the mindfulness and meditation kicked in because when I was able to break it down and like focus on each part of the skill individually rather than one whole thing, it made it a lot easier for me to control my mind and my thoughts. Yeah, that's great. When the baseball guys came in and I'm sure correct me if I'm wrong, this may have helped been a turning point. It seemed like you had already started to work on the mindfulness a bit because if they came in in 2019, that would have been probably between your sophomore and junior years. And you'd already been pretty successful in your first two years. So <laughs> you had figured out a lot of things already, but perhaps it kind of gave more fuel to the fire and even added more to that. Um, mm -hmm. 
did who do you remember who came in was it tyler graham since he did a lot of the coaching or who that who that was who came in uh, honestly i cannot remember i think one of the boys was zach and then we had nick i think as well um i don't remember one of the coaches because i know that they were going through like some coaching stuff. I don't know if that's when they went through their changes yet, um, but it was a few of the seniors. So they'd been there for a little bit and they were talking about how beneficial it was for them as seniors, because, you know, sometimes the younger ones, when they come in, it's like, they're just, there's already so much, there's already so much going on that it is hard to really fully grasp like these activities that we do. And I think that's one thing that I loved about, you know, Oregon State Gymnastics is that, we just really, we welcomed everyone in, tried to make them feel really part of that team. So then we could go into these things rather than just feeling too overwhelmed that it's like, what's the point? Like, oh, even the girls that weren't competing were doing these activities and practicing mindfulness and practicing meditation. And I think that's what's awesome because it wasn't just, okay, the beam lineup, you girls really need to like get it in check. So let's do mindfulness. It was like every single person in that gym, the coaches were doing it with us as well. Um, so that was like a really huge piece of our success because it was like we all bought into that vision. And I think that's rare when you get, like I said, it's hard sometimes as a freshman coming in being like, what the heck's going on? But our freshman that year especially did a really great job of just really buying into it and just like, okay, this is what we do. This is what we're doing. Um, so I'm really grateful that, um, you know, the baseball team did come in and talk with us because I think then it was like, oh, it's not just a gymnastics thing. Like baseball does mindfulness. Like how does like baseball, like, what are they scared of? Like, what is, and that's my, like, cause only ever really doing gymnastics. I'm like, gymnastics is the scariest. Gymnastics is the hardest. <laughs> I'm like, what is like, what's scary about baseball? And then hearing them break down their fears or their things that are holding them back from being great at what they want to do. I was like, oh, it's not just about our sports. It's about like literally controlling like our minds that'll then help us do the sport. It's not necessarily like gymnastics is the only scary thing or the only thing that has challenges and obstacles mentally. And that was a real shift for me because it was like, oh my gosh, this isn't just a gymnastics thing. Like it's a me thing. Um, and that gave me hope because it was like, I can use this outside of gymnastics. It's not like I'm just wasting my time. So yeah, I learned a lot from them coming in, especially because like you said, that kind of kickstarted everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. One last question on on the mindfulness thing, because there's plenty of other other things to talk about, especially what you're doing <laughs> now. But um, you kind of briefly brought up how mindfulness would help. But I'm curious exactly what that felt like of, of what you mm -hmm. were imagining, what you're thinking about during the meditation sessions or, or what you're not thinking about when you're meditating. Mm -hmm. um, how would that practice of the meditation or visualization, whatever exactly that looked like, like what what did that method entail and how did that help? Yeah. So previously I had done not really mindfulness meditation, but a lot of visualization. So I feel like I definitely haven't mastered it yet, but I was familiar with it because I'd seen sports psychologists after sports psychologists and a lot of them would all be like visualization. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of had that down. So when we would do like lots and lots of breathing and for me, like, because I I'm so fast paced. I get so bored so fast. So if someone's like, just take five deep breaths, I'm like, like, okay, next, like now what? So really just slowing myself down. And like, like I said, at the start, it was so hard because I really had to, I felt like I was going in slow motion and I felt like I was just wasting my time. And then like, you know, Tanya was like, this is not a waste of time. Like if you can get this down, it will help you so much. And I'm like, okay, like I believe you, but at the same time, like, 
this is boring. Like, I don't like, this is boring. Like I just, let's just do the gym. Like, come on, let's go. Um, so when I, I really have to like shift my mindset around it. And when I did, I started to realize like, like, whoa, I do my best gymnastics when I'm calm. And that was the difference. I didn't know that. I thought I was one of those athletes that had to get hyped up. I have to be dancing. I have to be going crazy. Like, yeah. And a lot of, obviously I like to do that, but if you really, like, if you take a look at, you know, film or watch me before I go, I am very, very calm. Like before floor, I'm not jumping all over the place. I'm like standing still, kind of just like I'm vibing, like, because that's when I realized that's how I do my best gymnastics, when I feel in control and when everything, it's like a complete state of calm. Um, and everyone goes about that differently. But for me, I needed to just be in my own space. So when I started, you know, focusing more on breathing, visualizing, and it was like, as I was breathing, I'm visualizing my skills. Um, I realized that I'm not as good at visualization as I first thought, because I was never really doing it intentionally. I was just doing it in my head and I'm like, okay, I'm done now. What? Um, whereas when we were doing the mindfulness and meditation, it was like, we were feeling like, in, like <laughs> we were using our bodies like inside of our brains. I know that doesn't really make any sense, but like, as I'm visualizing, I'm like, what does it feel like? What does the gym smell like? Where are we? What's going on? Who's around me? Where's Tanya? Where's the, where's my team? Um, so it was like, I was picturing a lot more than just myself. And because when you're at the competition, you're not just by yourself in a spotlighted room with one beam and it's black around you. Like Gil Coliseum is crazy. We've got the girls in the corner. We've got the judges. We've got the coaches there, the fans there. Um, so yeah, it, there was so many things that went into it, but that for me was when I realized this state of calm is like so powerful for me as a gymnast. Um, and that was really kind of what clicked for me after getting past that. This is so boring. I'm bored. What can I do next? <laughs> that makes so much sense because when you, when you can visualize like that, even imagining the smell and the exact feel of what it's going to be like, you can put yourself in that scenario and already act like you've been there countless times. Mm -hmm. And then when you go into the competition and you've been practicing it constantly, the tough thing that may be uh, more hard is when something unexpected happens. And this wasn't, this is kind of out of left field, but when you were going into your senior night, the last meet you would have in, in Gill Coliseum and you're, you visualized, you know, all these meets so much mm -hmm. expecting it to feel like what you visualize. And then all of a sudden, not only is it different, but you just, you're not going to have the meet at all. And you realize your mm -hmm. career is basically coming to an end. Was that hard mentally for the, where gymnastics, usually you can visualize what it looks like and then just completely gets undercut. How did you handle that? Yeah, honestly, it was really, really hard. And I still, to this day, I'm going back and I'm like, I didn't fully process that in that moment. And I think that's why, and I'm sure we'll get into this a bit later, but I'm, I think that's why it's been so hard for me to transition out of gymnastics because I never felt like I got closure. I'm like, I'm not done. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I should still be going right now. Like we didn't, we didn't finish. Um, and I think it happened so quickly that it was almost like, it was not funny, like by any means. But I remember like our roommates, we were all like, we kind of all congregated in my room and we're like, so we're done. <laughs> we're like, what's going on? And then, you know, at first it was like, oh, like the coronavirus, like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And it was like, Boise was going to come to us. And then Boise was like, we're not traveling. And we were like, okay, UCLA had their meet canceled. Maybe we can like compete against UCLA, but then we have to go to UCLA. And we're like, but our families are here. I'm like, my family's flew from Australia. I'm like, can we just not do something in Gill? 
And then it was like, no nationals, no regionals, no fans at nationals. Maybe there's a nationals. Nope, never mind, no nationals. And it there was it was just one thing after another. And I was like, okay, well, maybe because this was Wednesday, senior night was Saturday. I'm like, maybe they'll cancel it, but they'll let us compete still with just our families. Um, and like, it was a no. And we, I completely understood the decision. It wasn't like I was mad at the athletic department or anything like that, but I was just mad and I was upset. And I was like, but this isn't fair. Like, what do you mean? And then at first we were like, okay, like it's just a few weeks and then maybe we can come back. And then there was a whole circulation of seniors get their year back. And then it was like everyone but winter sports. And I'm like, but we're the ones that had our sports. Cause like, we were like, what? Like, so there was just so, there was just so much. And then a lot of us or a few of us on throughout the senior class, we had exhausted our eligibility already. So it was like, there's no, like, you can't come back. And it's like, well, dang. Like, <laughs> So there was, oh, it was just like one thing after another. And my family was there and I didn't want to really be upset too much. Like, you know, around my family, cause they were obviously upset. And that's when I realized how much of a, like gymnastics wasn't just my life. Like my family has flown around the world to support me. They have been to every single meet. They have been there when I was crying. They've been there when I, you know, was winning things. They've been there when I made teams, when I got my scholarship, all those things they were there for. And I'm like, now that I'm older, I can appreciate all the sacrifices like a lot more than when I was in the moment as a child. I don't think a lot of children understand the sacrifices their families make for them to fulfill their dreams. Um, so I'm just really grateful that I had that support, but that's when everything kind of started to hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to compete in Gill again. I am never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. And I know that sounds really like pessimistic and like, oh, like poor you. But I think a part of me felt guilty for almost grieving like the loss of this sport to me. And like, I've, I've had to have people like, you know, talk to me about it. And like, my mom was saying like, Isis, you're allowed to grieve this. This is like a huge part of you that she's like, it's almost like a piece of you has died. Like that sound, that might sound dramatic. That might sound over the top, but in reality, like you've been doing this for over half of your life and now it's all of a sudden done. So it's like, of course, you're probably going through an identity crisis because so much of who you were was wrapped around the sport of gymnastics. So during those two weeks, it was kind of just like, I was just sad. I was like, and then I, at first I was excited because I'm like, okay, I'm sad. I'm excited. It's like, oh, now I have time to do stuff. And then after a week, I'm like, I am bored. <laughs> I was like, I am so bored. Like this sucks. Like how do athletes, like how do non-athletes live their life? Like just with this freedom, like this is boring. Like I just... I miss that structure and that schedule. So there are a lot of emotions going into it, but that kind of sums up from the majority. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy moment because one of the questions I most like asking people is once your career ended, whether that be five years in the NFL or was it retiring immediately after your college baseball career ended, whatever it may be, is who were you once the sport ended? And not everybody knows that right away. They sometimes go through that realization of, oh gosh, like what am I doing with my life and, and who am yeah. I? And you got thrust into that as everyone does, but even quicker than, than you expected. Yeah. And so now that you have had, a, well, gosh, not even a year now, um, <laughs> it's only December, but what like are, <laughs> yeah, right. Have you um, realized some more things about yourself and what you are passionate about that I'm not an athlete and I don't want to be bored my whole life. So I'm going to put 
my focus into this part of it i'm sure is school and you got the graduate school stuff uh, but mm -hmm. what is it that you find filling that gap or realizing your identity is in if it's not being a, a college gymnast yeah and that is a great question because i'm still figuring that out <laughs> um i think one of the the biggest things for me is that i love helping people and i think there's so many different ways you can go about helping people. You know, like you can be a coach, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, like literally every profession almost, you can find a way to help someone. But for me, um, I think because college was such a transitional time for me and such a, those four years, like I grew so much as a human being that I will forever hold near and dear to my heart because I came in a girl that was completely I don't even, I don't even recognize the girl that came in anymore. And not that that's a bad thing. Um, just that I remember coming and I thought that I knew what I was doing. I thought that I was like, oh yeah, like I'm a bit older. Like I got this, like I've been out of school for a while. I'm like, I am so ready for this next chapter. And then like college hit me in the face. I was like, whoa, like this is hard. Like what is going on? And I had to do a lot of learning, a lot of unlearning. Um, and there were so many things. And I was like, I have not I'm like, I do not know who I am. Like, I thought I had it figured out. And I feel like a lot of people feel like that sometimes where it's like, yeah, like I know who I am. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you go through your trials and tribulations and adversity, and then you grow through these things. And it's like, whoa, like that was a good test. So for me, um, student athlete development was a huge, huge piece of helping me grow into the, you know, the woman and person I am today. And I think that I really found my voice outside of gymnastics there. I really... I realized that I am a lot more passionate about things that I never thought I would be passionate about. And I'm passionate about helping other people feel empowered. I'm empowered. And I think that's come to think of it. That's why I love gymnastics so much is because I knew I had a platform. I knew that I had a voice and a space where I could be my authentic self and empower other people. So it wasn't like, and that's, you know, with the whole, with my crown, that's the symbol of the crown. It wasn't like, look at me, look at me. I'm the queen, like I'm the best. It was like, I'm putting on my crown to show you that you can do it too. And I think that having that platform and seeing how I was able to positively impact so many people, so many young girls who I saw myself in all of them, um, that to me is one of the biggest takeaways from my gymnastics career, just seeing how I was able me doing what I loved and doing what I was, you know, good at was able to inspire so many people outside of gymnastics as well to just be themselves and just own it and just love what they do. And that's why it was so hard for me coming out. Cause I'm like, well, now what do I love? And cause I hadn't yet figured out why I loved gymnastics so much. It was like, I love gymnastics because it's fun. And I love, you know, I love people watching and I love that performance and I love the feeling of doing a great routine. But it was like the deeper meaning behind why I love gymnastics is because I loved feeling like I was making a difference in people's lives. And for me, I'm also now realizing as of late that I am so achievement driven and so like, I'm just so not used to doing something well and then being like, that was so good. Like high five. Good job. Yay. Yay. Like that positive reinforcement. Now it's like, oh my gosh, like, and that at first, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so conceited. Like I need people to tell me that I'm doing good at something. And it's like, but I feel like a lot of athletes our entire lives, we're seeking that approval. We're seeking the approval, whether it be through a score, through a coach's feedback, 
through a great performance, positive reviews or an article or whatever it may be. So I've really had to be like, okay, I don't get a high five every time I get out of bed (laughs) anymore. So how else can I feel accomplished? How else can I feel like I'm succeeding? Um, And it comes down to helping people and making people feel special and making people feel like they have a greater purpose is something that I'm truly, truly passionate about. I'm just yet to find the exact vehicle to do that. Could be student athlete development. It may be life coaching. That's something that has been interesting to me as of late. Oh my gosh, like I, I don't know, but <laughs> there's so many things. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right way to do that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. It's a lot of the time when I ask that question of, you know, what does life look like now or, or what are you passionate about? A lot of people want to answer the question with, oh, well, here's my job and here's what I'm doing. But really what I always want people to answer is, but who are you, what are you mm-hmm. trying to be and what are you trying to accomplish through that yeah. more of the underlying reason? And, and while a lot of people have their day-to-day actions figured out, they don't always mm-hmm. have the why figured out where you yes. seem to have more the why figured out, but not the how, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is fine. If anything, that's a good spot to be in because you've got the underlying thing figured out. Now you've yep. got to figure out, like you said, the vehicle. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's something that Tanya really reiterated um, cause I've gone through my entire gymnastics career. And when I said like prior to college, like I think it was around my sophomore year of college. And this is when we really started like diving more into like, okay, outside of gymnastics, what are we like? Who are we? What do we got? Why are we doing gymnastics? And I remember Tanya one time was like, I was frustrated. And she said, what did you just say to yourself? And I was like, nothing because it wasn't nice. Cause I was frustrated at myself. I messed up. And she's like, would you say that to your five-year-old self? And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, no. She's like, so why would you say it to yourself now as a 22-year-old? And I was like, uh. And that moment, like that might seem like such an insignificant, like random thing, but that like changed the game for me mentally. Cause I'm like, that is so true. Like look at little Isis watching. And then it, it was that season, like that junior season, 2019. I think we were so successful because we really stepped back and took a look at like, why are we doing this? Like how, and I think that's when we really like branded ourselves as a team, as like a team that just was having so much fun, but was also just so genuine and loving because we started showing ourselves that love. It was like, if we would get upset in the gym, Tony's like, nope, why are you mad? Like what's going on? Like, no, don't do that. Like, let's be logical and let's fix the solution. Obviously it was like, are you okay? But it was also like, no, we're not going to have a pity party. Like the privilege that you have right now to be here doing this, like, in a few years, like you're not going to have that anymore. And now I understand why she was so adamant about making sure we realized the situation that we were in and being present and not dwelling on the past or looking too far into the future, because like we only get this moment however many times. And that for me was, was huge. And then we also were like, she's like, well, why do you do gymnastics? What's your why? And I was like, I could not come up with an answer. And she's like, okay, well, that's what we need to work on. Cause like, if you're doing something, if you've been doing gymnastics for at this point, I was doing it for like 14 years. It was like, if you've been doing gymnastics for 14 years, you got to have a strong why, Like you can't do anything for 14 years without knowing why. Um, so yeah, it took me 14 years to realize why I was actually doing gymnastics. And that changes like, you know, like it might, your why might change, but you should always know what it is. So that's something now that I've really been struggling with. I'm like, what is my why? Like, why? Like, what am I doing here? Um, but all of these things I learned throughout my gymnastics career. So another reason why it's been so hard to transition, because I'm like, well, who's who's coaching me right now? Like, I don't have a coach. 
So, yeah. Yeah, maybe if it took you 14 years to find your why, maybe it'll take you 14 years to find your how, but I, ho- I hope not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hope not. <laughs> hope not I, hope not. I hope not. It's getting uh, there. Um, last thing for you, because you've been so generous with your time and it's been really fun to, to talk with, um, mm-hmm. with you about all the stuff you're passionate about. Um, I remember when, when, uh, you know, I was working for the barometer and did the, the article on you and it just happened to me when your parents came in town, Damon and Lisa <laughs> were there and even Cleo was there, um, got to, got to meet all them. You have a great family. Are they pulling you to come back to Australia at all? Or are you, are you going to stay in America for a long? Maybe you don't have to figure it out and that's fine, but are mm-hmm. they trying to pull you back? <laughs> that's another great question. <laughs> so I have dual citizenship, which means that I can stay here. I can stay there and I can go between the two, which is great. Um, obviously they, we love being together. We're a really close family, but at the end of the day, they know that what I'm passionate about is leading me. That's most likely going to stay here. Um, but I just hope that one day I'm in a position where it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I can move freely between, you know, my two homes. Um, I always say that like when I'm in Australia and I talk about coming back, I'll be like, yeah, like when I'm at home. But like, that's because I mean, like where I live, meaning like my apartment, like, but then when I'm here, I always talk about home in Australia, obviously, because that is my home born and raised. So I honestly, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, obviously they wish we could all be together and like, in whatever way that is, but they would hate for me because they just know how happy I am here um, and how fulfilled I feel and how much purpose I feel when I am here, um, not to say I don't feel that at home, but it's just like, they can see a difference. They can see a shift. Like when they come out and visit me and that's what they love. They're like, we're just proud knowing that we raised someone that is confident and, you know, courageous enough to go and live out their dreams because they're like, they're like, regardless of where that takes you, we want you to be happy and we want you to be able to follow your dreams wherever that may go. So I'm just really grateful for their support because obviously it does get hard being away from home and it gets hard being away from family, um, especially when you are really close. Um, and I think my dad has firsthand experience in that. He was born and raised in the US, moved out to Australia, and he's been there ever since. So I think he definitely understands that piece as well well but yeah like I said I'm just really grateful for their support and I'm sure they wish that you know I'd be home more but they're also just really happy that I'm doing what I love and you know I'm able to find a space where I feel just as at home as I do when I'm at home yeah it is pretty cool to see I mean obviously your whole dad's professional career played out before you were mm-hmm. born. And so you didn't see his, you know, growing up in America, playing in Alaska, moving to Australia. But it's funny mm-hmm. to talk with basketball players who do that same thing, whether it's like a Jarmal Reed who grows up in America, moves to Australia, where <laughs> he could be playing out mm-hmm. your dad's story and having his own yeah. Isis Lowry in Australia. <laughs> it could be the whole story <laughs> all over again. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty cool because um, my dad always talks about that. And like he wasn't originally meant to come to Australia. First of all, he didn't even know he was coming to Australia. He thought he was going to Austria. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just is what? But anyways, like um, the recruit that actually was coming out to, you know, find this dude to go to Australia, he apparently like he wasn't practiced that day or something had happened. And my dad's coach was like, oh, like Damon might be interested. And that's literally how it happened. And dad's like, imagine if that dude showed up to practice that day, he ends up going to Australia and I stay in America. He's like, that's what was most likely going to happen anyways. And I'm just like, wow. He's like, you just never know when an opportunity is going to come up. Like I doubt my dad thought when he got on that plane that he was 
eventually going to find his future wife, have his children live in Australia. Like this kid didn't even know Australia existed. Like he didn't know where he was going. And now he's living, he's been living there over half his life. So I think it's just crazy to see how things play out and knowing who knows, like that could be me, like who knows. Um, But it's just, I'm just trying to, you know, embrace everything that I can. And, you know, like we learned like for our gym, like stay in the moment, stay in the present. I think it's hard not to think about the future, um, especially when you're in a transitional period. Cause it's like, okay, well, what am I going towards rather than feeling like you're just stuck in a rut, which is how I've been feeling lately. Um, so it's like, it's good to have those goals, but it's also important to remember for whatever reason, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And that is okay. And not everything has to be a competition. Not everything has to be a, okay, I did it now what? And I think that's what this season of life is teaching me, like slow down. Let's have some time to figure out who ISIS is post-gymnastics. So then we can rocket launch into the future rather than heading somewhere when, you know, you're not quite ready for that experience or opportunity yet. Yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be really fun uh, to chat, you know, a year from now or 14 years from now, do another podcast <laughs> and see all the things that have happened and, and figuring all that out. But thanks so much Absolutely. for coming on the podcast, ISIS. Thank you, Josh. That was so much fun. And Well, there really was a lot of fun with Isis Lowry. You can tell how thoughtful she is. And, you know, sometimes these conversations are more about their life. What are all the big events that's happened in the 25 years since you left OSU? And sometimes it's just, hey, what do you really care about? What are the things that you like to talk about that you're passionate about? And her story in the mental game and how the baseball players played a role in that. I think that's really fascinating. And you can uh, hear a little bit about her story in that baseball documentary just to shine a little light on how the mental conditioning aspect that the baseball players used. Uh, Also, those same concepts showed up in Isis Lowry's life. That baseball documentary, by the way, uh, coming out in a couple of months, which would be really cool. You can check out uh, the link in the description to learn more about that. Another thing you can check out, one of the great charities that I like to sponsor, Convoy of Hope, does great work all around the country in both preventative care, disaster relief. They do great work on the ground, both in America and overseas. Name any disaster or thing going on, they're probably right there helping out providing supplies, uh, helping sustain that uh, environment wherever it's at, and helping build a community back up to where it was before. So Convoy of Hope is a great place to check out. That's convoyofhope.org. Thanks again to Isis Lowry for joining me on the podcast. I always love getting gymnasts on the podcast. If you had to rank who are the most fun people to talk with, uh, well, gymnasts are, are definitely up there. I won't I won't pick one sport and make everyone else mad, but no, gymnasts are, are definitely some of the most fun people uh, for sure. Hey, happy uh, into the year as well. This is the last episode of 2020, and so 87 episodes strong in this calendar year. It's been a treat to chat with all of these uh, athletes from a variety of sports, a variety of eras, and so hopefully uh, a few more to come in 2021. In fact, I've already recorded a few. Starting out in the new year will be Jess Lewis, episode 88, former Oregon State wrestler and football legend, uh, comes out next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. Have a safe and happy end to 2020. And here's to bigger and better things next year. Good night, everybody. Happy New Year and go Beavs.